Did you know that it is Asian American Pacific Islanders Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Carden, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meath. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA Scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native, Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. The best part of spring cleaning is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless, and then Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data, unlimited talk and text, delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone and any Mint Mobile plan and bring your own phone number. Along with your existing contacts, ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. My team here, they're on Mint Mobile and they like it. For a fraction of the cost, Mint Mobile proves to have excellent coverage with no drop calls or unsent texts. Plus, they make it super easy for me to activate my device just by following a few simple steps online. And bam, done. To get this new customer offer and the new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash literally. That's mintmobile.com slash literally. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash literally. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Well, hello. Well, hello, Robert. How are you? There are many, many pictures behind you that are piquing my interest. It's a wall of Marty. No, that's not true. There are people up here. There's Bill Hartman. There's Eugene Levy. Mr. Ed Grimley, ever hear of him? No. Yes, I've heard of him. (laughs) You and your characters. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we're in for a treat. We are with the great Martin Short, who is, without a doubt, the most wickedly mean, funny man in the planet. And you know what? He gets away with it with that look. You know, he comes at you with that look. He's got that shaggy, like, mini David Cassidy hairdo going and, you know, the crazy eyes and... Like his energy is that of like a sweet little kid and he's just mean and really funny. And one of the great creators of, of comedy, you know, characters that, that, that we've maybe ever had. And um, I'm really psyched to see what's going on with Martin Short. So here we go. How are you holding up? Um, I'm, it's like the shining at my house, but better weather. That's really what it's like. You know, it's like there's a lot. I have a lot of room, a lot of rooms. People can get lost in them. And, you know, we can ride our wheels. You're immensely, you're immensely rich. And but the other thing is (laughs) that 
I, I always thought myself, I'm going to bed, and I just kind of go, am I going to bed again? Didn't I just I go to bed? Isn't it unbelievable? You just, when the sun goes down. New meaning, to, new meaning to the Peggy Lee song. Is that all, is that all there is? That's That's what happened. That's the song that plays in your head when you're an alcoholic and you win an Academy Award. <laughs> that is. That's, that's, he had everything to live for. He just won an Academy Award. But booze took him down. Hey, are you drinking more? Uh, I, this is going to come as a shock to you, sir, but I haven't had a drink in going on, it'll be 30 years in a week. I understand that, but that wasn't my question. Yeah, I understand. What are, are you up at Lake Muskoka? No, I am in Pacific Palisades. Would you rather be at Lake Muskoka? Well, first of all, I'm not on Lake Muskoka. I'm on Lake Rosso in the Muskoka Lakes. Is that by me saying it was Lake Muskoka and you being on Lake Rosso? Is that like me saying how's city of industry? And you're like, no, no, I live in fucking Bel Air, you idiot. Is that the same kind of vibe? It's like saying, oh, you're a Canadian. So what's Halifax like? What? You know, there's (laughs) no it's 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 not based on a big education, but it doesn't matter. I remember as a kid, I used to be very excited because I only watched American television. When Buffalo, which was how we watched television, I was in Hamilton, Ontario, mm-hmm. would mention Canada. I felt like, all right. And I remember it was the Olympics. And I was watching them on NBC. And they said, and this skier is from the city of Ottawa. No, they didn't. Yes, they did. And I felt excited and yet defeated. Oh, the Ottawa. Well, I look. I spent a lot of time trying to do it like like a deep dive on the difference between Americans and Canadians because I've spent so much time up in Canada working and and I and I love Canada, but I'm always realized I think what I come away with is like we feel like we should all be exactly alike because we look sound alike and we're neighbors, but it's a different country. It's a very different country, and I always assumed again as someone who grew up. 55, 60 miles from the border, from Buffalo, and only watched American television, I used to think that, oh, we're exactly like Americans. And then, you know, I moved to the States and all that. But then the first time I worked in London, England, (laughs) I had to be there for a couple of months, and I realized that I felt more like I was in my Canadian growing up city, Hamilton, than Los Angeles. For sure. That makes perfect it's a, sense. It's a different, it's just a different thing. Are you familiar with the Halifax Explosion? Is this a band? Oh, Martin Short. They're coming to take that little ribbon off your... It's called the Order of Canada. It's called Knighthood Ass. Okay. Well, I'm just saying, th- there should be a law. Like, you can't get the Order of Canada if you don't know about the Halifax Explosion. Here's all I care about. How many yeah. times have you been on David Geffen's boat? That's all I care. It's all I'm interested in. <laughs> well, many, many times. Many, many times. Yes. I fear that if I was ever on David's boat, and I don't think there's an invitation forthcoming, particularly. Not in, a, not in a million billion years. Not in a million billion. Nope. And 
But I would be just like based on that one film whose name it, it escapes me. But there's a lot of them. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, no, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. I mean, big deal. It's not going to happen. But I'll tell you what's not going to happen. Hmm. It's not going to happen. And and I I he wouldn't be like spear fishing with me off the back of the boat, right? That's not happening. And you might be surprised. Really? Yes. Because my my fantasy of it is it's like. <laughs> Bruce is over there. He's got the six string. He's working on one of the dour non-hit songs. I learned that phrase the other day uh, when uh, it was a review of the of the concert for uh, charity in in New Jersey that that they all did. They said Springsteen sang another one of his dour non-hits. It made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, for a guy with a bunch of dour non-hits, he's he's done pretty well. He's my, look. He's my guy. That's. He's, he's I know he is. But I but I picture him like he's in the corner, you're doing your thing, and and like who like who who I, I just who else? Like it's a thing, that that boat. It's really it's like being invited to one of your Christmas parties. Right. Well, you know what it is? First of all, it's his boat. So you can't I don't feel free talking about his world and his boat right. and his guests. I do. It's a private I'm, thing. Well, you invite him on, I'm sure he'll do this. Because he is a podcast nut. I, I feel that way. Yeah. He's he's one of my, he, I mean, he's his, he's one of my favorite. That let me talk, him. let me ask you about your life with Oprah. She's here right now. I know. Put her on. Now, you are very Oprah. close with Oprah. Are you not? I am close with Oprah. I'm probably more close with her, with Ellen. She's also my neighbor. Have you ever said, okay, have you ever said to Ellen or Oprah, mm-hmm. I don't need a big, like, how come? I just need $8 million. Please give it to me. Because mm-hmm. they could. They could and wouldn't miss it. They're both so rich. I know. I know. And and they both, well, I've said to Ellen, just give me a house. Because she's got 7,000 <laughs> houses. But you have a house. You have a massive house. I know, but I but I'd like to scale down like anybody. My kids are out of the house. I'll take one of Ellen's chic pied a terre houses. Yeah, I'd love to see. I'd love to see your scale down. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, 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 I'm ready to uh... listen. But this house is my. It's my only extravagance. This house is my only extravagance. It truly is. I don't. Well, those teeth weren't cheap. Well, but that's that's a write off. Yeah, I understand. It's a right, you know, it's a call. Co- smile for me. Smile for it's me. It's literally smile the cost of doing business. Smile for me. Oh, wow. Amazing. It, it looked, right? You could get snow blind. You could get snow blindness from that smile. It's like looking into the sun, as they say on Parks and Recreation. It really is. Um, now, here's what else I need to ask you about. I want to hear about the more about the you, you're on a, you have your face on a postage stamp now, too. I do. I do. I'm that's really that's. <laughs> Amazing. For, did you pose for it? Do they? Do you send them a picture, or do they just go online and Google Martin Short and like how? No, well, you no, no, no. They said they wanted it to do uh, did deal with characters, so they did ask for kind of suggestions of uh, different characters that I had done, and that's the poster stamp. And then a very youthful, optimistic, boyish picture. Oh, I like that. It's the looking up and away is is what sells it. Up, up, and away. Up, up, and away. Um, what character did they put on the stamp? Or was it various ones? I believe it's various one. I believe it was Jiminy Glick, Jackie Rogers, Ed Grimley. Mm. 
Um, there might have been more. Jiminy made it. I mean, I don't mean made it because I love Jiminy Glick, but that's that's. Uh, you were on. You've been interviewed by Jiminy many times. Jiminy Glick is my favorite. I was Jiminy interviewed me in a sauna. I do believe. That's right. We always ended each show primetime Glick in a steam room. As you should. Yes. Um, Jiminy is one of my favorite concoctions, but how much of Jiminy was our, our former mutual manager, Bernie Brillstein? Oh, not, no, there was no Bernie and, 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 uh, Jiminy. Cause Bernie was more like, uh, you know, Hey kid, two things, one hello and two, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite, my favorite Bernie quote was never trust anyone whose last name ends in a vowel. And I said, well, mine does. He goes, oh, no, it doesn't count. It's silent. He once told me a long story about uh, how he'd been burglarized in uh, 72 or something that, you know, he and his uh, wife woke up and there were four guys around the bed with guns and they kept saying, show me the hand. And I said to Bernie, the hand, what do you mean? You know, the hand, the hand that women have in their closet, you know, the hand with the rings on it. I said, who has that? Go upstairs, Nancy has one, trust me. He assumed that every, every, every wife had a hand with rings on them. Show me the hand. Yeah. I don't think those guys said, show me the hand, by the way. And then at one point, and then the end of that story was that the guys took jewelry and then they said to Bernie, and if you've never seen Bernie Brillstein, I, I, I advise you to Google him because you'll, this will all and he was just a large than life person but anyway he he said i was naked in bed and the guy said now uh don't leave for 20 minutes so he didn't have a watch on so i counted that 20 times 60 and at the end of that i got up and i said hey fellas are you gone and my wife screamed why are you calling them fellas and and i said what am i supposed to call hey murderers are you gone hey fellas <laughs> Bernie was our manager and Bernie was the, you know, managed everybody, everybody from SNL from the day. And I mean, he's one of the great, well, you spoke at the eulogy, the famous, I mean, I was, I was the MC of the eulogy. And I remember I had a lot of jokes. Um, I, I opened by saying a man who loved everyone, a man who cared about everyone, a man who only wanted his enemies success. Isn't it a shame we're not memorializing a man like that today? <laughs> <laughs> but I remember I had a lot of jokes. And Bill Maher followed me. <laughs> and Bill said, uh, Jesus, I was backstage with Marty. He's like eight pages. I got three jokes. I feel like he started writing when Bernie got his first cough in 98. <laughs> <laughs> I... Uh... Bernie's uh, memorial service was legendary in Hollywood. It was at UC- UCLA at like uh, one of the big theaters there and everybody in the world. Royce Hall. Royce Hall. Royce Hall. And um, Lauren Michaels and Brad Gray kind of produced it, if you remember. And I remember us all being backstage um, the, and talking about who was the order of who was going to speak first. And at one point there was going to be um, the the surviving members of the Muppets who Bernie represented, uh, Kermit the Frog was going to sing Rainbow Connection, which ended Frank up Frank Oz was there as Miss Piggy. Frank Oz, yeah. So, um, and I just right. remember Lorne saying, all I know is no one follows the frog. 
<laughs> I have a chapter in my book called No One Follows the Frog. It's one of the great things. It's pretty good. It's true. You can't follow the frog. No. The frog killed that night. The grown men were sobbing. I I mean, like, well, there's something about that song and Kermit singing it. Forget it. It's like. And also, well, you know, I don't know if you explain it, but Bernie represented Jim, Jim um, Henson. Henson and, yes. and hence the that's that was the. Um, the connection, connection for that young frau. But that was at Royce Hall. And that was one of my opening jokes. I said, you know, the last thing Bernie had said to me was, kid, you're going to play Royce Hall if it kills me. Hold that thought. We'll be right back. If you're thinking about doing some home remodeling, check out Window World. Go to windowworld.com and check out their Windows Inspiration Guide. The guide is a dream book of page after page of beautiful windows. It's not just about how good they look. These beauties earned the Good Housekeeping Seal and Energy Star Certification. Go to windowworld.com to schedule your free consultation. Tell them you heard about it here on Literally with me, Rob Lowe, Window World, America's Exterior Remodeler. Hey, listeners. Ever have trouble getting someone on the phone when you have a question about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day, or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So I came home to a little gift in my bathroom the other day from our friends at Harry's. To get what you want, You have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. You know who challenged the status quo? Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by questionable products in the shaving industry and decided they had something better to offer. So instead of charging the same old ridiculous prices, Harry's found a way to make their beautifully designed razors, and they are beautiful, for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. Exceptional products, honest prices. That's Harry's. They have the highest customer satisfaction in shaving history and a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. And Harry's also has other self-care products that meet the same quality standards as their razors. Richly lathering, skin-softening body wash and scents like Redwood, Wildland, and Stone. And an extra high-quality amazing smelling deodorant for just five bucks. I love their stuff. I'm so impressed by Harry's products. All of it. It's all good. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash Rob. That's harrys.com slash Rob for a $3 trial set. Um, I know what I've always wanted to ask you about. Um, yes. In the, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the title because it's the, the great Christopher Guest movie. Um, that you play the agent, the famous. Oh, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the big, the big picture. picture, the big picture. Okay. Yeah. Who 
if you, if you, someone's someone's done a lot of research. No, no, it, no, not a lot of research. It's always been one of my favorite movies, The Big Picture. If you haven't seen it, it's amazing. But you in it, my good friend, are fucking beyond belief. And I'm convinced that you were doing my agent at the time, Michael Black. Do you know, many people thought that and that was not remotely true. Not remotely. Not remotely. No, I never even ever in my life met Michael Black. And uh, uh, no, it wasn't. It was a last minute decision. In fact, even the hair Mm -hmm. was um, made up like in the morning where they sprayed it and we curled it. It was my hair. And we and Christopher later and I. So there was a lot of, you know, there was a very funny script and we were playing around with it. But as far as the character and the look and the thing, it was just kind of, you know, Chris is a great improviser, so as a director, a great improvisational director, and suggesting things. And we were, that was, we only shot two days in that film. But I remember the second day I had these welts because we had so many lifts on me. Yeah. But we couldn't hide it. We couldn't hide it. Um, normally, when you do lifts like that, you hide it with a wig. Yes. How did, because when I, when I did Behind the Camera, but, but we did, I did we just, beca- we, I had a lot of hair, so it just pushed it up. So I had welts the second day, so I couldn't shut more through. But Chris and I later thought that we missed a great joke, that we should have had the first scene, he should have had just big bags. <laughs> and then the next time you see him, the bags aren't there with no explanation. It's such a good... So you had... You did the... the, 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 the I, I, on Behind the Candelabra, I, I did... And maybe I was inspired by your performance, because you never know where <laughs> ideas come from. But, I, but the, the pulley... Oh, that was a fabulous... That was a great look. I love that whole... I thought it was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant movie. It's good, and right? You were phenomenal in it. Oh, thanks. Yeah, very good. Because what I realize is, is when you pull your forehead up, it pulls your eyebrows up. But then, if you close your eyebrows while your eye, close your eyelids while your eyebrows are up, it's unnatural. Can't be done in nature. Do that at home. I know you're on your treadmill right now, listening to this. You're driving. You just pull over. Yeah. Look in the all mirror. Are you, you guys? Are you? Are you tough guys? Yeah, you tough guys. Because I know when, when, when a whole bunch of dudes get together, alpha males, they talk cosmetic surgery. Well, I know I do. It served me well, fine. I know you do. Served me just fine. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. I need to talk a little bit about Three Amigos. Um, the Lillian Gish joke is one of my favorite <laughs> jokes in the history. You don't think that was an appropriate thing to sing to little children who couldn't speak English? It makes... About- it, it was actually Dorothy Gish, her sister. That's right. Of course, it's it's even better because it's Dorothy Gish. It's the lesser known Gish, Gish sister. It's it's just fucking. It's beyond belief. I heard. Um, I asked again. Lauren comes up a lot in these conversations, probably because I have I have people on who I admire and love, and and a lot of you guys come from SNL. But um, I was like, I love that movie. I particularly love the first half of. Three Amigos. He goes, oh, yes, well, of course you do, because by the second half, the director thought he was auditioning for the fucking Milagro Beanfield War. <laughs> I haven't heard that. Yeah. That, That's funny. Don't you just know he said it? I mean... Of course he did. Um, that movie is... It, I also... My other favorite thing about that movie is the, the tree that sings only public domain songs. Of course. We're no fools. Do you know that Sam Kennison was in that movie, Cut Out? What? Really? And so was Fran Drescher. 
You're kidding. What did they play? What, what, what were they in? Sam play, we were strung up, captured. I can't even remember anymore who captured us. Uh, <laughs> but then there's this m- lunatic who comes across, running from a, across a river, just, ah! with a knife. That was Sam on a stretch. Yeah. And um, Fran played, I believe, um, the wife of the studio head who fired us. Oh, is that Lovitz? Is Lovitz involved in this somehow? No, but he wasn't her husband. I, I can't even, I really can't remember because they never even made a cut. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. We just shot them. Um, and I have not seen that film since we made it because, you, as you know, you go to so many uh, test screenings and you're still kind of exhausted and burned up. By and, and I certainly never told my kids that I'd made it because you don't want to keep coming home and seeing what your, your, your nine-year-old you know, is watching the same thing 800 times. But one time my son Oliver came from a friend's house. He was about 10 and said, hey, Dad, you, did you know you made a Western? <laughs> I said, yes, I did. Yeah, I sure did. It, it's so genius. And is that what started the, the big Steve Martin friendship? Of- well, Steve wrote that. Steve, the, 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 the writers in that film were Lauren, Steve, and Randy Newman. So, um, bunch of idiots. God, but, those guys. What do they yeah. know? Losers. But Steve, um, you know, when you make a movie, as you know, you you get you could be in you know Yugoslavia for th- three months with people, and you get intimately. You know everybody, and you know who's sleeping with everybody. You know everything about everything. But who is Steve Martin sleeping with? Chevy. Okay. And you know everything about everybody, and then you never see those people again. For, for 30 years. But sometimes you make a conscientious thought to say, you know what, I'm not going to lose that person for my life. And I think Steve and I did that. that, that that's, that's awesome. And we continue to um, do our little shows today. I, I know, and I want to talk about that because I've also been inspired by that. I, we get, I, want, to, I want to trade stories from the road with you. <laughs> so, can I just check messages? Yeah, sure. Um, I once was invited to walk with Steve Martin, um, on one of the long walks. You mean just, just go for a walk? Yes. Just go for a walk with, 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 with Lorne and Steve Martin. And I thought I've arrived. I, (laughs) this is it. I am officially in, in Hollywood. I'm going to sit at the feet of the icons of comedy on this walk. This is going to be revolutionary. And we walked to Steve's house in the flats of Beverly Hills, and Steve came out, and they, the two great men began to walk, and I walked slightly behind them, listening avidly. What block goes by, nobody says anything. Another block goes by, nobody says anything. Finally, Lauren goes, those are nice socks. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I got them at, uh, at Barney's. Hmm. Brown? I think they're more of a tan. Exactly. Another block, nothing. That's what it was. That's what I got out of it. See, is that all there is? Well, Peggy maybe, Lee, maybe, is that all now, there is? You know what? You know what? And I don't want to be negative here. Okay. That's not who they I didn't am. want to talk around me. Is that what you're trying to, you're going to say? Yeah. I, I think, um, cause I heard about that walk. Yeah. And Steve said, I only learned one thing today. You don't talk around civilians. 
Uh, there's no one meaner than the lovely Martin Short, and I do. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's it. Thank you so it's much. It's just the fucking absolute best. Have you ever been heckled by an audience member? Not often. I mean, sometimes. Um, sometimes uh, when we do a piece where I'm a, a puppet, a Jiminy Glick puppet, mm-hmm. and Steve is the marionette, and we would show pictures of different political people, mm-hmm. and uh, especially around election time, right or left, you'd be heckled. Uh, but the people are being heckled. I've never really been heckled. I usually get um, uh, uh, in an attack mode. I hate hecklers. They're selfish. They're drunk. Right. And they're saying, um, we're going to interrupt every 4,000 people's enjoyment for our own thought. Right. It's bad. Yeah. I had, There was a very funny story that Billy Crystal tells where... Um, he was doing ant- he was doing Trump jokes, and a woman stood up and started screaming at him, saying, "He is your president. He is your president. Show respect." And he said, "You know, you're absolutely right. And I've heard our president, and I've heard him deal with hecklers, so I will deal the same way." He said to security, "Get her out." <laughs> and she was taken out. <laughs> I think that's kind of damn genius. That's really Real that's. Billy's funny. I've heard that. But no, I, I've never really had... I, so I never did stand-up clubs. I was never in the clubs. Right. You know, I was in Second City, and I was in improv groups. And then by the time I was doing concerts, it was like, you know, bigger people, right. more distance. And so I wasn't in that thing where you just, you know, Jay Leno and Seinfeld and all those guys have a million stories of dealing with drunken hecklers. And, and, but when you, you've done so much Broadway, when you're doing... Do you like the people with the wrappers falling, like crinkling, falling asleep, cell phones going off? How do you deal? How do you deal with that? Um, you know, you, it, you, I do have this thing. I am constantly aware of how much the tickets cost, how much the the babysitter costs, the dinner, and so like I don't break up. One time, Bernadette Peters and I were at the Marquee Theater doing Goodbye Girl. And there was a party, a separate party, this on the floor above us. Oh. And so in this big dramatic scene, where now that made me laugh. <laughs> and it was during a preview, and I started laughing. Bernard started laughing, and Neil Simon came back, and he was a little pissed off. He said, "You know, they've never seen this show before, and they'll never see it again. So it's nice for them to get an authentic version of what the show is." Ooh. Anyway, yes, sir. Ooh. Take yes, to- yes, Mr. Simon, sir. But he was absolutely right. Simon says, dunked on. Neil Simon. By Neil Simon. When are, uh, when are you and Steve going on the road? Well, who knows when anybody's going back on the road? Well, I don't know. I mean, we were booked um, in April, May, June, July, August, September. Uh, and I'm, a, I don't know. Certainly... Um, it seems like it's going to work when there's a a, um, a a vaccine. Yeah, and also, I mean, for drama, people sitting six rows apart, perfectly fine. But for comedy, that's, that's a disaster. Yeah. And then what about what are the actors six feet apart on the stage? I don't know. I think it's all going to be unravel. And I just want to see you. I want to see you in a surgical mask do the show. I think that's titillating on a certain level to me. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, um, 
I tend to mug, so I think if I could have a mask that was very tight that would mug with my face. You don't mug, nice. Marty. Who I don't know who's told you that. You're not a mugger. You know what? Who was it told me? Oh, my priest during <laughs> confession. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. He said, you're telling me I saw your last movie. Ah! Thank you, Father. How do you get two stars on the Canadian Walk of Fame? And, and how is the Canadian Walk of Fame any different than the Hollywood Walk of Fame? It's good, other than it's in Canada, obviously. Um, well, the Hollywood Walk of Fame, uh, uh, as you know, you pay. Yes. But <laughs> the um, Canadian Walk of Fame is pure honor. Uh, and I got one for for being Martin. Yeah. Yeah. And the yeah. other one for um, uh, SCTV. Ooh. So that I was, I'm part of that stuff. I see. No, it's true. The Canadians, that, again, we're back to like the Canadians, like they take. Um, Fairness, very seriously. How oh, dare they? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's a social democratic country. I mean, the things that are fascinating to me, uh, you know, I, I'm an American for 20 years, born Canadian, and also a citizen of the UK. Jeez. But through my father. You're like hedging your bets everywhere. I really how many passports? How many passports are on you at any given time? Four. Also Irish. Hmm. But... Um, uh, so the things that 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 torment uh, m- many aspects of the United States are things that, you know, uh, like socialized medicine we've had since sixty one. So um, there is no Second Amendment. So there isn't. There people have guns, but you can't just take them to church for the hell of it. So there are different, you know, and and also there's only thirty four million people in a landmass that's bigger than uh, the landmass of the United of the mainland of the United States. Um, why have I never seen you water skiing? Um, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I slalom. I mean, I just, I don't understand. You, you like, you're the one of the mayors. You're one of the cultural icons of the Lakelands. And I've never seen you on the back of a ski and a teak. Uh, no, and you're not going to either because I don't want, it doesn't, that kind of accomplishment means nothing to me. I, 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 I have a competitive nature, but it's not in sports. You may be stunned to hear this, <laughs> but it's more in other aspects. Like, but you are like I bet a big jock, correct? I do like my my. Yes, yes, I am. I'm just gonna say it. yes. Yes, you are. Just admit it. Just admit it. Finally, be honest to the people, uh, because I've heard your podcast and it's filled with lies. <laughs> and um, but that's yeah, you are a jock, and you should be proud proud of it. Proud of it. But. I, I, but no, I don't. I don't want to ski. I mean, I used to water ski, but I'm old now. Remember, I've been ravaged by. You, you are the most youthful, spry. <laughs> you you have the spirit of a preschooler. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's called dementia. It is. Um, what was the meanest thing Jiminy Glick ever said? Do you have one joke as Jiminy that was so mean? You're like, wow. I don't know. Jiminy Glick was mean. You're you're nice, mean Jiminy, mean. No, Dave Foley from Kids in the Hall once said, you created a character who's as mean as you really are. <laughs> he said. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, it was interesting. You know, it was done a little more like a movie than you'd think. Well, you would know because you did it twice. Right. But um, it was done in the sense of, you know, you, you do a pass with someone and you take a little break. And you'd say to, let's say it's Alec Baldwin. Like when I was doing Alec Baldwin, 
we took a break and then I said, Alec, what else should I ask? He said, ask me about women. Just ask me about different women. And uh, I'd say, okay. That's, so you've been with many women? Oh, yeah. Senator Feinstein. Oh, listen, when, she's, when, when you have a senator knocking at your door at 2 in the morning wanting in, what are you going to do, let her not come in? You know, so he was <laughs> right, right. hilarious. And then after that 14 minutes or 15 minutes of raw footage, we cut it down to a, a scintillating five and a half. So there was never a time where you really thought you were going to offend someone. I mean, I remember once with Edie Falco, she was answering something, and I went, shh, just because I asked you a question doesn't mean I need an answer. And she was kind of startled, and I think that in her you know, life, there's nothing rude than someone shushing you, you know. I once said to uh, Mel Brooks, aren't you a big B for the Nazis? <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> And he said, I don't know, they're rude, you know. But uh, I said to Spielberg, what are you going to do the big one? <laughs> the one that connects with the people. And then we had, this is one of the few things we planned in, in one of those interviews where I told Stephen, at one point when I asked you a question about how do you see filmmaking, your filmmaking, kind of ramble on and look off. And as he did that, I slid out of the chair and the camera followed me over to craft service, where I ate about five donuts and filled my pockets <laughs> with candy, then slithered back as he's still looking off, going on about his career, and then got in the chair and said, wonderful. That's in Stevensville, <laughs> covered in candy. <laughs> Just, I mean, did you ever think you'd have that life when you were a kid? Did you ever go, this is where it's gonna lead to that kind of just no, deliciousness? No, no, no. Well, no, because I think that you know, again, growing up in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, and yes, watching television uh, in the United States, it seemed like I was watching television on the planet Neptune. There were products that I was dying to taste that we couldn't Wait, get. you make it sound like you're behind the Iron Curtain. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this is the early 60s, so, like, please don't squeeze the Charmin. You didn't know Charmin? Like, well, you didn't have Charmin. You didn't have toilet paper. One of the first things, one of the... We didn't. We had newspaper. One of the first thing I ever did was uh, when I came to the United States, went to a, a store. And it really is soft. <laughs> and and then you know the cashier said, "Please leave me alone." I, and the toilet paper was over there. <laughs> no. And then I remember Bosco. There was Bosco. I like Bosco. Bosco is it was a chocolate drink you couldn't get in Canada. So so as far as becoming. I mean, I used to have a fantasy television show in my attic, and uh, when I was fourteen, amazing. I was on NBC ev on NBC every other Tuesday at eight. That was your schedule, because like, it yeah. Well, I was I was too, it. it uh, my fear was if I did a show every once a week instead of once every two weeks, it would get in the way of my imaginary film career. Yes, but it was all in my head because it was nothing realistic. And then, you know, I took a year off university and, and got into the show Godspelling with a lot of great people. And in that group of us, Paul Schaefer was the first one to go to New York. He was now uh, been asked by Stephen Schwartz, who wrote Godspell, to be uh, a piano player for the Magic Show. Mm -hmm. And I remember Gilda Radner, who we were dating then, and I phoned her. We phoned him. And Gilda said, Paul, what are New York actors like? And Paul said, well, I don't know. I, I, 
maybe because you're my friends, I think you guys are just as talented. And when we hung up, we went, oh, he's so sweet. Because we didn't believe it. That's the best Gilda. Oh, God bless her. What an amazing. Yeah. How great was her? Oh. How great was her? How, how great is your lack of English? <laughs> it's, it's frightening. And we'll be right back after this. You know the only thing I ever let interrupt my podcast? My dog. Take a minute now, please. Pet your dog while you learn about Bark, the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. Every toy is tailored to your pup's size and play style. From squeaky plush toys from BarkBox to ultra-tough, durable ones from Super Chewer. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Each box is inspired by a new theme and comes with fun surprises for you and your dog. For a limited time, they'll double your first box of goodies for free. I love making my dogs happy. Love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. And my dogs are obsessed with their chewable toys. BarkBox offers treats, keep my dogs healthy, and amazing new toys that keep my dogs entertained. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash Rob. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you've been listening to Literally long enough, you'll know that I am a big believer in getting the help you need. Therapy has been a big, big, big part of my life and something I think we should be all doing as needed. Just like checking the oil on your car. I've spoken about this and we all carry around different stressors, big and small. We keep them bottled in and it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to get the things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Rob Lowe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Rob Lowe. I love fast cars, but there aren't a ton of high-performance TVs. They're certainly out here there. But when I when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's I love it. And I was blown away by the Kia EV6 GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it, it is literally like being in a state-of-the-art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds. It is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV. So the climate thanks you. SiriusXM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle. Music, sports, news, comedy, yacht rock. Let's go. Little little steely Dan going in your Kia. Come on now. So check it out today. It is the all-electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via kia.com slash EV6. To learn more, that is kia.com slash ev6 kia movement that inspires 
there's a couple of things I want to ask you about here. And look at all of this. Mm-hmm. Look at what, look at all of this prep. Look at, I just want you to be impressed with. Yeah, but here's the difference. Here's the difference. Here's the yes, difference. Yes, please. It's like you and the president. Yes. You can have, you know, lots of prep, but if you don't read it. You don't read it well. And let's face it. You, no, you haven't read it. Let's face it. You said, wait a second. Uh, I thought it was Victoria Jackson. No, no, it's Marty Short. Oh, okay. Well, I'll still, I'm fine. I'll be fine. I'm- it's called walking through something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I need to know this. All right. Yes, sir. I, I have a thing like, uh, remember, remember the old days of Vanity Fair in the back page, they used to have the Proust questionnaire. What's your greatest extravagance? What's your favorite journey? All that stuff. I was always bored. I thought it was mm-hmm. lame, stupid. And um, so I have my version of it called uh, the uh, the lowdown. And okay, so here's my my question to you. And it's on the level of Proust. I think the level of intelligence of these questions is is on par for that. I think you'll be up to it. It might be Proust. Like I said, Proust, Proust. I'm going to look that up. Yeah, you think it is? Yeah, I think How do you pronounce yeah. Van Gogh? Van Gogh. I knew it. <laughs> I fucking knew it. Because there's only two types of people in the world. Van Gogh. Um, if, which would you rather see? Yeah. A UFO, a ghost, or Bigfoot? And if you did, would you report it to anybody? Would you say anything? Well, that's a fascinating... For, for maybe all I know, you have. I guess what would what would terrify me the least, you know, and I think I'd be frightened of Bigfoot. Yeah, mainly because of the breath. Mm. And a ghost. I mean, if it was Casper, great. If it's you know, lick me. It's it's satanic. I'm not so happy. No. And a UFO, you mean like a saucer that flies low and flies up? I think that would be you. I keep coming back to this Lake Russell, but like there's. Like probably Bigfoots and flying saucers all the fuck up through that area of the deserted Canadian areas. No? You've never seen anything weird like that? The Northern Lights. Have you seen the Northern Lights? But, it, you know, yeah. Wow. But, you know, you have to understand that Lake Rosso, my cottage. Cottage. He says cottage. It's um, massive. I've seen it. Uh, is, I would say, we are three hours north of Toronto. So you're not exactly in the Arctic. No. But that's like a typical American, the Ottawa, the... Are you near Vancouver if you're in Montreal? Is that a question? Um, do you like French Canadians? Yes, I do. French Canadians. They have a, an accent that it's got a little bit like uh, it's a harsher version of the French, eh? Yeah, they say poisson. I mange le poisson. poisson. We oui. right so, eat yeah. the fish. So. No, it's a fascinating. It's a bilingual country. That's the way we grew up. Would you have voted for? Not that you could have. They almost like literally voted themselves out of the country like fifteen years ago. I think it only so that would have been done. It only that lost like like a fa- like hundred thousand votes or something re- really close. I, I believe. Well, what happened with, happened there a little bit was, um, you know, I don't think the cities were voting that way, but maybe rural areas were, and then someone did the math and what it would cost the new country of Quebec and how it would be primitive, you know, about a hundred years it would take to get back into swing. It's a lot of maple syrup. So now when they do that kind of plebiscite, it's completely God bless Canada. kind of. Approach. Do you remember the worst review you've ever gotten? 
That's a long pause. This is the longest pause. Well, you know, I, I'm me. not. I, I'm. I'm not a big review reader. I think. Um, I think that actors should be very, very delicate with their own um, egos and esteem and figuring. You know, we're just filaments here, so I don't think it's good to go to your way to read mean things. Um, I know that when I've been doing Broadway shows and we're heading toward New York, you have to read all those reviews. Right. You have to read them because you're, you know, <clears throat> you can still change and improve. And Neil Simon uh, used to do his shows in Chicago first, and he would actually get the review from the Chicago Sun-Times reporter and then go out and have lunch with him the next day and really pick his brain. So he treated it as like this is all part of the process of developing a new show. But I think that I tend to not um, aggressively look for reviews. So I don't know um, which would be. This is what I know. I know that some people like me just in general comedically and some people hate me. (laughs) But I know that the people who find me boring and hate me. I would be bored to death having dinner with them. For sure. Yeah. 100. I only like, I only want to dine with the people that love me as long as they pay. I say the same thing. I keep it very simple. I like anyone who likes me. Absolutely correct. I think that makes great sense. Right? I'm not, I'm not kidding. It's why would, why, why bark up the wrong tree? But not only that, there's a very good chance if your esteem is as it should be. There's a very good chance the people who don't like you, once you invested in them and tried to figure out why they didn't like you and spent more time with them, you'd find them dull and boring and wouldn't like them. You're very good about that. You you always you have a you have your group of people, and and you are like like at peace with your vibe. I get that's what I've always gotten off of you. I think I I think that's true. I think I am at peace with my vibe. I I I. I you know, I think it's an awful, awful scenario if you really don't like who you are because we were born and we die alone and this is us. And you can try to improve. I'd like to be the best version and the wisest version of myself the day I die. But uh, I think that to um, like seek out why people don't like me and why don't you like me? I'm telling you, it's just it's not healthy for sure it's not and i also think that just in terms of comparing you know one's work against peers and what have you is another another folly i think i think we're all here for for different reasons and one person's failure will look like but everyone's unique i mean don't you think don't you think after 30 years of doing what you do and you really look at your career objectively including books and things that no one else has had your career. No one's helped had this kind of career. So you are you unique entity in show business. That's to be admired. And 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 same with I feel the same with you. It's the same. There's no other. There's not even. There's no other Martin Short. Are you fucking kidding me? Do, do you know what I mean? And like that's at the end of the day, that is really what what I what one should aspire to, as opposed to ticking off boxes of. Arbitrary accomplishments, I guess, is what I what I'm getting at, right? Yeah, I mean, I do think that some people. Um, I have never, for example, been in show business 
to try to win over the admiration of strangers. That was not so important to me. I was just, I just, it was really fun. I did it in university, but I was in pre-meds and then I went to social worker, never thinking that you could really have a life and financially support yourself having as much fun as I did doing plays and Shakespeare when I was in university. And then when you find out that you can do that, there's no greater, you know, lottery win in the world. Yeah, I, I, when I started, I, I, I'm from Ohio and I started as a kid. It, I, I don't even think I had a clear understanding that I w- would be famous if I were successful. Like fame didn't enter into it at all. Money certainly didn't. And then when you, it was like someday somebody said, hey, by the way, if you get, if this happens, you're going to have that too. I was like, oh, great. But I would have done it regardless. But that's also because I, have, I yeah. have no other talent in the real world at all. I mean, I. Oh, you're quite, yeah, according to you, you're quite the jock. Well, yeah, I guess I could, I could have got my knees blown out playing high school. So it's like, it, it, it's, I just, it's, it's amazing to me that we get to do what we, what we do. It's shocking that we that we were able to pull it off because particularly coming from where we come from. Although you were were very blessed to be to come out of that time and place in Canada, where so many funny, smart people were there. I think, right? Well, I think what was I was lucky because you know I start I the first year I was quote unquote in show business was when I was twenty two, mm. and uh, in that group it was nineteen seventy two in Toronto. Uh, were Gilda and Andrea Martin and Victor Garb and Eugene Levy and Paul Schaefer and Danny Aykroyd and John Candy. But we were just happy to not be in school. (laughs) We were happy to just be getting, you know, some money and we could drink and laugh and have fun and flirt. And that that was the unbelievable energy of it. But there was... Um, this group of people that were bursting to find uh, an outlet that would define them in an era where it wasn't didn't really exist. And then Lorne started SNL and Andrew Alexander started SCTV. And suddenly uh, there was a vehicle for such a person. You, you look at someone like the genius of John Belushi, uh, but had there not been SNL, he wouldn't have been in the movies because he wouldn't have had that stepping stone. He might have been done a pilot that didn't get picked up. Might have been the third lead on a Roseanne show. Yep. Just kind of saying, are you going to finish that? You know, that line. <laughs> and <laughs> that would have been it, too. That's just his only line. So, um, so it is endurance and it is talent. But it is locked. Did you? It's there's an, a funny, famous sketch, I think, was in your era on SCTV of this is the weirdest pitch, but this is what it is. It's Christopher Cross's Run Like the Wind. Do you know this? Yeah. It's the recording of that song, and someone is playing uh, Michael McDonald. Yes, that's Rick Moranis. It's the most brilliant thing I have ever seen. Well, in- it, was just the, it was the era where Michael McDonald was seen to be on every recording. Yes, every so recording. So you just saw him running from one recording studio, putting in his background vocal, getting driving and and going to another recording it's, if you haven't seen it it's so amazing that's literally you know that was a, that was that was the kind of that i must admit creatively and it made it easier that sctv because we didn't have an audience and because you know 
the most intimidating things you could have been were the SCTV read-throughs because they were like everyone was so brilliant. And if your piece was approved, as it had to be approved by the group, um, no one was saying, oh, like, you know, at SNL, that you could have a piece that you really thought was going to kill an address that doesn't get anything and then it's gone. SCTV, there was no one saying, oh, it was just on. It made it. And so the oddest ideas like that um, could not only get filmed, get aired, but be remembered 40 years later. 40 years later, I get it. I think I, I keep thinking I would love to have been at the table read discussion with like, what are you thinking? Well, I'm thinking it's Christopher Cross is recording Run Like the Wind. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to play Michael McDonald and I'm going to do my piece and then I'm going to leave. But then I forget that there's more to sing in the song. So I have to come back into the studio <laughs> and I'm just going to do that five times. That's that's what it is. People are like, great, do it, shoot it. And it's fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember it always was frustrating because you'd come up with a piece that, um, like, I would do Jackie Rogers Jr., who was now Bino uh, <laughs> singer. Uh, but wait, stop, stop. Time, time, game- time out. Why Albino <laughs> singer? Why, why? Where's that come from? It makes me laugh. It's blue. <laughs> well, uh, it was because, I'll tell you why. I'd done a piece, I wrote a piece called Jackie Rogers Sr., Old Mother Nature, She Loves Me. And the premise was that Jackie Rogers Sr., who was this cheeseball lounge singer, had filmed a special nine years before and been killed doing it. <laughs> it was called Old Mother Nature, She Loves Me. <clears throat> and at one point, he's singing to a squirrel. Pardon me, miss, but i never done this with a real life squirrel. But you see in the corner a lurking cougar. And the cougar then attacked me and killed me. And they were now releasing this special nine years later. And I needed a son to come into the circle wipe saying, I miss my dad. I hope you will. Thursdays at nine. And that was Jackie Rogers Jr. And I had seen a picture of Mickey Rooney Jr. And he seemed really pale. (laughs) So I made Jackie albino. But I never thought I'd do him again. And then I'd get 17 notes from the cast. And, you know, let's say 14 weren't applicable or I didn't agree. But there was always those other three that were just made it so much better. And I think, damn it, I'm not an auteur. Because a good note, as you know, doesn't go away. No. And it doesn't matter where it comes from. No. But you were that's a that's a, you were allowed to do those kind of insane ideas and um, without anyone saying, well, it seemed funny, but the audience didn't like it, so therefore you can't do it anymore. How did you know then what the audience did or didn't like? Would you be out on the streets and you'd hear anecdotally the no, way you do hear no, from, from no. fans? No, no, no. I mean, look, this, the SCTV was on at 12.30 on Friday nights till 2 in the morning. Prime time, prime viewing time. Everybody's watching. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it really was about people just, you just kind of went with, if the room, if the smartest people in comedy who were in that room were laughing, then you felt confident. Um, who do you think is the, f- who's the funniest person, you know? Oh, I don't know. I know too many, too many. I, I mean, really, I know, I've known the funniest people from John Candy to Steve Martin, to Billy Crystal, to Dennis Miller, our mutual friend, mm-hmm. um, to me, I mean, so many people, Christopher Guest, Christopher Guest once said to me, <clears throat> I was making a film, uh, Captain Ron, he said, Martin. What is this film about? I said, well, 
I, knowing he'd hate the movie, just by yeah, the nature of yeah. I said, well, <clears throat> I play a man with two children who inherits a boat. He said, I didn't say spoil it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't, you can't make it up. Who's no. your first friend in Hollywood? First friend. First friend in Hollywood. Like first famous, well, first famous friend. Or, or first friend. Does that have to be famous? Well, you know, because a lot of my friends, you know, I knew from back east and then we came here. But I guess, you know, um, Steve, maybe. Maybe Steve, because that was the first time I was living in L.A., doing that film, and Chevy. And But, you know, I remember being amazed to j- meet Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh. Because she was going out with Christopher um, when we were doing SNL. And, and ridiculously beautiful. Ridiculous. And I walked in. And so sweet and funny and loose. And you kind of... And she was the... Hello... The daughter of Tony and Janet Lee. I mean, come on, nothing hipper. Yeah. Um, this I have one last really truly important question. Yes, sir. Is there a song lyric that you one day went, wait, wait, what? That's what the fuck they're saying? Like, I'm kind of obsessed with song lyrics that people fuck up and that they don't know. I had somebody talking about the Van Morrison song uh, "Brown Eyed Girl," and they thought the lyric was "Going down on an old man." For a transistor radio, I'm like, you know, I don't think. I think, the, I think that's what it is. Is that that is what it is? Do you do you have your version of that? No, I, I've not. Uh, no, no. What a bad last question. I know. See, this is this is why I, I this mean, is why I have you of on the all show. the last questions. Well, I mean, I didn't want to have to say that, but why should all of us just think it? <laughs> you don't like that as the last question? Fine. Fine. <laughs> you were awesome. I love you. You know I do, and I love having you on this. You're, I mean, Dorothy Gish couldn't have been a better guest if I had her. <laughs> if I had her rotting cadaver, she couldn't have been. Ah, uh, what a as, compliment! As entertaining as you. Ah, uh, thank you, little one. It was uh, be safe. When are you? Uh, and don't get COVID. By I'm now. I'm, see, he's right. I have Tiger with St. Elmo's fire. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I have, hopefully I have professionals around me protecting me from myself. Yeah, you are the Trump of podcasting. I, I, I am. Maybe it is. We'll see. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. We don't know. We'll see. That's my I'm just going to I'm going to use that answer for everything because it just inoculates you against any responsibility for anything. Yeah, he, that, that's good. And also, you always know when the big lie is coming, when the story starts with and someone said, sir, I am a steel worker. But your wisdom makes me cry each morning. You know, it started off as Sir, a big, big old lies. With Sir, that's the tell? Yeah. Because he's so desperate to be called Sir by anybody. Oh, that's, a, that's interesting. Sir. Yeah. Sir. Sir, you saved our country. First of all, they never called you Sir, and you haven't saved the country. Sir. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. <laughs> When this is all over, let's let's catch up. Come all on. All right, I would love that. You're, I would love that. You're awesome. Bye, Robbie. Bye, Martin. Thank you. I, you know, I feel having just spoken to Mr. Short, as I always do after I've spoken to Mr. Short, just taken with the fact that he's so funny, but also I'm just deeply wounded by his comedy. 
um, because no one is immune. If if you're there with them, you're going to get the charm and the brains and the twinkly eyes, and you're going to walk away and then die from your stab wounds before the EMS people can help you. That's that's sort of what it is when, when you're dealing with Martin Short. And today was no different. Anyway, I hope you liked it, and I'll see you on the next podcast of Literally with me, Rob Lowe. You have been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe. Produced and engineered by me, Devin Tory Bryant. Executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile. Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco. And Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Stitcher. The supervising producer is Aaron Blaird. Talent producer, Jennifer Samples. Please rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. And remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.